welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. All right, welcome again to the Defender Podcast. I'm Rick Morton, and this is March 29th, 2023. Can you believe it? We're at the end of March. Uh, This year seems like that 2023 is already off to a fast start. Today, I have the privilege of being able to sit down for this episode of the Defender podcast with a with a dear friend and a valued colleague, Tracy Newell. Um, Those of you that are regular listeners to the Defender podcast know Tracy. Those of you that have been around Lifeline's ministry have encountered Tracy and in her teaching and her ministry. Tracy currently leads our church-based programs here at Lifeline and and provides direction to um, a couple of programs that are that are some of the most exciting things that we do here at Lifeline. But the but the best thing about Tracy is um, her love for Jesus and her love for people uh, because she loves Jesus. And and so I'm excited to talk to her today. We're gonna we're gonna be talking about grief uh, in our series on grief. And so <laughs> Tracy and I are super excited to talk about this today. We uh, we laugh. We we get the privilege of doing a session in our, our pre-adoptive uh, conference called Rooted in Love, where we talk about grief with uh, with adoptive parents and, and about the reality of grief in in the equation of of who we are and what we do in adoption. And um, and and we kind of psychoanalyze ourselves and feel like we're a couple of dark clouds that sort of hover hover over for a minute. So we we have a lot of fun um, uh, trying to uh, trying to not take ourselves too seriously as we as we talk about something that's really serious. And so today we're gonna we're gonna try to do that as well. But before we get there, we're going to talk about parent coaching. Um, parent coaching is a service that's available to any parent who needs additional insight into their child's behavior. So this is not just for families that uh, are built through adoption or, or families that are that are built through foster care. Um, this is this is for anyone, uh, but certainly families that are built through adoption and, and families that have involvement in foster care can benefit. Um, each session is tailored to each family's specific needs. And so I, I tell people when we talk about this, it's almost like it's a boutique service service, right? Um, it's this thing where you can sit down with someone who really understands uh, and and can help you to think about how the things that you that you know and the things that you've learned and maybe some of the things you need to learn, how they can be applied in your family with uh, your particular situation. Parent coaching sessions are filled with proven tools and techniques um, to use in the building of additional strengths in parenting. You can find out more about parent coaching by going to our show notes, or you can visit lifelinechild.org backslash parent dash coaching for more information. Um, if you go to that website, uh, lifelinechild.org backslash parent dash coaching, or go find the link in our show notes, you'll be connected with a Lifeline staff member that can tell you more about parent coaching and how to access those services. Those services are available in person or online. And, and we love the opportunity to be able to have that kind of interaction with families um, and to be able to walk with families in uh, in in parenting. So as we turn our attention, uh, first thing, I just want to say to my friend, Tracy Newell, Tracy, welcome to the Defender podcast. Hey, Rick, you know what? You said we're a couple dark clowns. I like (laughs) to think that we are joyful grief teachers. We're going to find a way on this podcast to make it fun. 
I mean, you know, like I, I was I was a little honestly reluctant to say that because I didn't want anybody to misperceive. But I, but I think every time it, I mean, let's just be confessional and pull back the curtain and tell people what it's really like. Every time that we have that opportunity to teach that session, it's always good. But there always is that moment that we look at each other and say, OK, we get to be the grief people. And yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, um, you know, and truly, but we don't want to like we don't want to minimize grief either. Right. Because grief is a part of this thing that God has given us to do and this thing that God has called us into. And and so part of health in uh, in all of the spaces that we're called in to serve and work and bring our families to bear in all those things, grief is a reality. Right. Yeah. Grieve, grieving seasons are not far from any of us, Rick. And I believe with all of my heart that so much of our grief is born out of love. We love deeply because the Lord has created us in his image and given us this ability, unlike all of his other creations, to love. And so many times we grieve because we love so deeply. So this is not something that we need to be ashamed of or something that we need to um, dismiss in our lives, but recognize and I think recognize the normalcy of it in both adoption and foster care specifically. You know, I I was even reminded today, Tracy, I was talking to a mutual friend of ours who just had a loved one pass away and um, and just talking about the awkward nature of some of the conversations around all of that. And I think it's just a fresh reminder that um, grief is just one of those things that we we don't particularly want to hurt. We don't particularly want to experience the the pain of grief. And so we kind of push it away. We kind of, you know, we find it awkward to talk about. We find it awkward. It's sort of the elephant in the room that that no one wants to address. And and I know you and I have have really talked about the fact that part of entering into what we do with the truth of the gospel is not denying the brokenness and not denying the grief that comes because we can do that in light of the greater reality of our hope. And so we grieve, we grieve differently. We grieve as those who have hope. And so that means um, we approach this topic differently. Yeah, it does. And it should. I think many times we avoid it to your point because we don't want to do further harm Um, But I think you will agree, Rick, that some of the sweetest moments in our walk with the Lord, I, I will speak for myself, some of the sweetest and most profound moments in my walk with the Lord has been in a season of grief where I have truly experienced his heart and love for me, for my family, unlike any other time. Yeah. And and I think that, you know, we're reminded in uh, the Bible tells us, I mean, part of the part of the story of the life of Jesus is the fact that Jesus grieved. Yeah. Like we like we see this is. And and so part of I think what this is, is, is we also recognize that God is not divorced 
from our grief. He's not divorced of an understanding of our grief. He understands all the more um, because because God has grieved. He, he, he grieves our sin. He grieves the brokenness of the world. He grieves, you know, th- those things. And, and so in, in that, I do think we draw close to the Lord or we can in those times because we know maybe God knows that feeling and God knows that experience better than any other person that we can be connected to in life. And so, you know, I think, I think there's something to that. Absolutely. And even before the incarnate Christ, even before Jesus, we see scripture, how the heart of God was grieved. And so because we are created in his image, we know that that is part of our God-given character. And then Jesus is high priest. What you are describing, Rick, is we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with us in our weakness and who can meet us exactly where we are in moments of grief. So let's talk about that today. How in the world does well, grief relate? Yeah, and I, I think maybe the first place to jump in a little bit is, is to kind of go back to that idea of saying that that grief is just part of the reality. It's part of the tapestry of of entering into families with difficulty, families with challenges and and kids that, you know, that come out of those hard places that we can't shy away from the fact that we're stepping into places where things are broken and and brokenness produces grief. Right. Yeah, it absolutely does. So there are things happening in the lives of the children whom the Lord may eventually bring into our homes or into our families that we don't know about. Grief producing circumstances, difficulties that cause the hearts of our children to be grieved. Certainly that is part of their story. But our inclination, Rick, I think in observation over the years is to think that if we remove a child from those difficult circumstances and we place them in a home with more stability or a home that is perceived to be safer or even a home that is believed to be more loving, that that child will not grieve the loss of everything that has been familiar to him or her. And it's just, we are short-sighted in that way. The truth is our kiddos, when they enter into adoption or enter into foster care, they're experiencing a profound loss that frankly, none of them asked for. Mm, That's true. And, And I think sometimes we just, we have a tendency to, to kind of put that to the side and not regard that in the same way that we regard some other things. And, and so for instance, and, and, you know, you and I have talked about this a lot that um, many times we focus on trauma and, and we focus on the results of trauma and, and the, you know, the, the latent things that we, you know, that we experience as a result of trauma. And we kind of start to see 
everything framed in, in terms of trauma. And sometimes what we're seeing in the lives of our kids, sometimes what we're seeing in our own lives is not the result of something traumatic. It's the result of it's just grief. It's natural. It's normal. It's just a result of of the loss of something. And it's not, you know, overly cataclysmically traumatic. It's just loss. And, you know, I, I mean, I tell the story when we do this with parents about this, you know, this moment that, that I experienced with our adoption with our daughter and, and having this moment where um, she was 14 years old coming home. And I saw a picture of her that was probably seven or eight years earlier in just kind of going through her adoption file and just lost it mm-hmm. and had this this profound sense of of grief over the fact that I was not there and I would never have that experience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that doesn't mean she didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. There was no, I mean, there's an overarching traumatic circumstance, I guess. But the truth is it's just grieving the fact that something, all things being equal that should be, isn't because we're walking through a situation that part of the story is brokenness and to be okay in that, to say our, our story is good. Our relationship is good. It's good that God has, has brought us together, but that doesn't erase some of the difficulty and some of the pain. And we quite frankly, find ourselves kind of grieving that and regrieving it um, a lot. Yes, you bring up a really important point. What you're describing sounds to me like developmental grief. And we talk about this a lot with parents who are desiring to adopt, that this is normal. It should be anticipated that as children and their parents approach certain developmental milestones in their children's lives, or even in our adult lives, that there may be grief that goes along with that. So to your earlier point, sometimes we confuse grief and trauma, and it can be difficult to distinguish between the two or tease those out. So there's no developmental trauma, Rick. There's a developmental grief, but no developmental trauma. And it has been said that trauma will always involve loss, but Mm. not every loss involves trauma. And I think Mm. that's a great way to look at it. Um, What gets hard for parents and caregivers with this developmental grief that you've just described, seeing the, the picture of your daughter, is grieving behaviors can look like difficult behaviors on the surface they can they can resemble defiance can't they Rick? <laughs> or yeah you're, you're getting personal now i'm not that defiant <laughs> or even rebellion by our children and it is very important that we as caregivers as parents just examine what is happening in our kiddos lives and what are some of those behaviors that we are seeing them demonstrate and and could this be, instead of trauma, could this be a loss that my child is experiencing or re-experiencing in mm-hmm. his life? And that's key. That that like I really want to press into that to say that that one of the realities about 
about dealing with loss and and the grief that comes with it is that we we don't deal with it. We don't process it and move on. You know, we have a tendency that at different points in life, as you talk about in developmental grieving in different circumstances, that there are there are new reasons to go back and confront that that same loss. Right. Like it comes, it just kind of bubbles to the surface. And and I think sometimes because this stuff and and we don't want to minimize it, you know, we're not trying to be we're not trying to be flippant about this at all. Um, But we do want to kind of name it and take, you know, some of the fear and, and some of the anxiety out of it to say that we would otherwise probably choose not to feel these feelings and we would otherwise choose to not dwell in, in these places emotionally. Yeah. And, and so when, like when that happens, there's a compounding almost guilt and, and a compounding reaction that it's like, Oh, we're back here again. I can't believe, yeah. I can't believe we're, we're dealing with this again. I thought we were past that. And, and part of what you have to realize is you don't like, you don't move past it. You walk through it with Jesus and with the people that God's given you in life. You don't get over it. Yeah, that's right. And you said walk through it. And we have to. We have to come alongside our children and we have to walk alongside them as they are walking through it. Sometimes we also just have to sit in it, Rick. And hindsight is 2020 it kills me how much i recognize now that i should have done years ago with my kiddos the truth is and i i imagine we're speaking to a lot of mamas and daddies today who are seeing their children hurting and it's something that we don't like to see our children experience because we love them we want them to feel better we want to somehow make their hearts no longer hurt um just as an aside we we don't have power over the heart and, and I really have learned that that is one of the unique roles of the Holy Spirit in my children. When our children are in Christ, that is the counselor is the Holy Spirit. But one mistake that I made fairly routinely with our children years ago, Rick, is that reaction, seeing them hurting, um, not wanting them to feel that. And so I would try to make things better by just just skipping over it so that I wouldn't do further harm to one of my daughters who was struggling emotionally. I was very guarded with information that she wanted. She would ask me direct questions about her birth family, about the circumstances of her adoption. And I just refused to go there. And I really believe now it it was not malicious intent, but I didn't want to do further harm. And so what you said earlier, it, it, that compounds 
<laughs> that sense of hurt when we're not sitting with our children, when we're not acknowledging their grief and their loss and their hurting hearts, and when we're not giving them the information that they need, it really does compound that sense of loss and can inadvertently, mamas and daddies, create some shame around our children and the circumstances of their placement into adoption or foster care. I think you're so right in that. And I think the the tendency is to do something that is very protective and is very, you know, almost this instinctual kind of thing of trying to trying to insulate our children from pain really unwittingly can do more harm than it does good rather than acknowledging, yes, this is something that's real. And yes, it does hurt. But we're going we're just going to we're going to sit in it and we're going to hurt together. And we're also going to choose to believe what's real, which is that there is a greater truth. There is a remedy. There is a fix. And and that is in the person of Jesus. And so the the, the fact is that, you know, and, and I, I go back to that, you know, Jesus storybook Bible kind of notion of all of these things will will become untrue. And that's the story of the gospel that 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 we're 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 moving toward, you know, recreation. And and that that's like that's a theme that we have to hold on to. But part of part of that understanding of even that theme of, of recreation is helping our kiddos understand that that means also, we recognize what's broken and we recognize what's hurtful and we recognize what's difficult because we hope that there's a day when that's not always going to be broken and where that's not always going to be unresolved. And that the hope for that is, is, is you know, Jesus and Jesus alone. So I want to I want to kind of dive in um, because we talked a lot about about our response to our kids and, and about our availability for our kids. But there are some other there's some other people that are part of the equation whenever we're talking about grief. And I, and I think one of the mistakes maybe that we make sometimes again in the adoption community and, and in the foster care community is that we do focus on the needs of children and we're kind of unaware of the needs of, of others. And so I'm going to go to maybe the least recognized group of people first and, and we'll kind of start there, but part of the equation of grief involves birth parents. Yeah. Um, so digging there, Tracy, like what help us to kind of think about and frame the understanding of grief. And, and we'll talk about this particularly in terms of the foster care system at this point. But but I think you can you can extrapolate a lot of this and and extend it to if your family's built through adoption and didn't have anything to do with the foster care system. There's still some things that are that are just very, very true that that you can take and apply. Yeah, some of this will translate into adoption as well. But let's look at foster care specifically and the mamas and daddies in the foster care system. First of all, you hear me say mamas and daddies because that is what they are. I want to just recognize right now by God's sovereignty that the biological parents in the foster care system are parents by God's choice. And Rick, it's something that we fail 
to recognize so many times and to the harm, not just of those parents, but to the children who have been sovereignly placed in their homes and in their families. So this is really, I have discovered a marginalized group of parents. And what I mean by that, marginalized or maligned, what I mean by that is we tend to vilify these moms and dads because so many of their kids have been placed in out-of-home placements in a relative's home or in a foster care placement because of decisions that they have made, they, the parents, have made. And so the assumption can become these are men and women who don't really care about their children. I have to tell you, Rick, now, by God's grace, for the last eight plus years, I have gotten a really up close and personal view of these birth parents and they deeply love their children just like you and I love our children. I have learned another truth about many of them, not all of them, but many of them were not parented well themselves. Many of them experienced foster care themselves as children and not to make excuse for wrong behaviors. We want children to be safe. That is that is primary. Um, But a lot of these parents have not learned healthy, fruitful ways of parenting their children and they need to be taught. So this maligned or marginalized group of parents, they are told, if not explicitly, implicitly, that they should not grieve the loss or separation from their children. Because of decisions they have made, this is what they deserve, or it's kind of that you made your bed, now lie in it mentality. But the reality is these are hurting men and women. And why wouldn't they be, Rick? Why wouldn't they be? Um, Their children have been separated from them. And so oftentimes it's not clear on the front end the amount of time that that separation will will exist. Um, Case plan goals are not always clear on the front end. And so we see this kind of hopelessness and helplessness develop. Yeah. And Tracy, I I think it it just it's worth noting as as we're talking about this, that um, sorrow, godly sorrow is a part of repentance. And and it's it's a little bit kind of counterintuitive to me sometimes the way that we we process this. And, you know, and I know one of the things that you've been terribly invested in here at Lifeline and something God's given you the the privilege to do is is to help to create an intervention for churches to be able to get engaged in the lives of uh, of these birth families. And our primary objective in that is to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to bear in, in the lives of these hurting families, but to, but to help them in learning how to apply those things that are true about the gospel to their lives and to their families and to their parenting and all of those things. Yes. Um, And that there is a right, um, I don't want to say this poorly, but there's almost a right reckoning in all of that, that when you come face to face with your sin, when you come face to face with your brokenness and you really begin to understand it, one of the things that you're going to do is grieve it. Yeah. You're going to, you know, 
it like there's going to be that profound sense of grief. And so if you're if you're in a circumstance where the un, the unstated message that you're getting is you don't deserve to be sorry about this. Mm-hmm. You don't deserve to grieve this. You, you know, you have no right to um, that. That can be pretty toxic. And so this idea, I think the term you use is disenfranchised grief, which is a you know, a $10 word and a $10 term, but, but something that's really understandable to us, which is saying that you're kind of stripped of the right to grieve something because, because you participated in it or because you have fault in it. And so you can't really have sorrow for it. And that's just a terrible place to be. Yeah, it really is. And it is also stated in God's word that it is the kindness of God that leads to repentance. And so if I've said it once, I have said it a dozen times, Rick, when these mamas and daddies in the foster care system, when they start this church-based program called Families Count with our church partners, um, they seem to have a full recognition of their sin. and as you said, the sorrow that accompanies that. But not many of them, Rick, know the solution. And not many of them in the beginning understand that we have a kind, merciful father who has made a way for their family success and to deliver them from that addiction or to deliver them from whatever destructive behaviors have been going on in their families. Well, what sort of pickle would you and I be in if we were called upon to stand before holy God, sorrowful for our sin and sorrowful for our brokenness and God's posture toward us was don't bother being sorry. God God doesn't approach us that way. Uh, As a matter of fact, he he calls upon us to be sorrowful. He calls upon us to grieve our sin, but then to understand the victory of the work of Jesus and to understand the, you know, the victory of the gospel. And so I think this is imperative with birth families in the foster care system, because the greater truth that we want to teach them is we want to teach them about who God is. And we want to teach them about, about how the gospel is effective in every area of their lives. And so when we help them to be able to understand their grief and to process it well, we're showing them a spiritual pattern of a way that God wants us to approach him. And, and I, I really think, you know, fundamentally, I, and I don't want to get all weirdly theological here, but I think there is, there's something that when churches press into doing that kind of work in very real world circumstances with mamas and daddies, we're seeing the fruit of, of that ministry left and right in seeing mamas and daddies break generational curses of, you know, of brokenness. We're seeing them grieve well. We're seeing them apply the gospel to their lives. We're seeing them parent well, like all this stuff that is just crazy exciting, right? Um, There is a component in all of it that is, that's about helping them, to deal with and to and to properly grieve things that they don't even know how to or how to understand. And so I know, like, I don't want to be confusing in what we're saying here, but I think there is there is a there's such a profound, you know, tie in there. And you said it earlier. 
And most of these families don't have anything. These parents don't have anything in their life and in their experience that helps them to, to understand this or know how to do this. That's right. And, and so what a gift that the church brings. And, you know, and we've said this over and over and over, particularly in government settings, as we've talked to people about the necessity of having the church involved is this is the one thing the church can bring and bring well. Yeah. You know, (laughs) yeah. So Rick, the very things that you and I discussed 15 minutes ago, the ways that we approach our children's grief, we are seeking to do that. And our church partners are seeking to do that with these birth moms and birth dads. And we go backwards with them in the same way that we do our children. And we try to create this framework looking at scripture. And we start with this very simple yet profound precept, which is mama and daddy, you were created in the image of God. And you know what that means with regard to your family? It means that the Lord God has uniquely designed you with skills and talents and abilities that are first for his glory and that can also be useful in your parenting and in your family. And because you are an image bearer, our God most high, just like your children, you have inherent value. And we are going to start by sitting with you in your time of sorrow. (laughs) We are going to be present with you and we may not have all the right words to say, but we just want to come alongside you and have a physical presence in your life and try to earn your trust so that we can point you to Jesus. It's the same thing that we do with our kids, Rick. And I say very sarcastically at this point that that's, of course, what all the rest of the system does for these birth parents. Right. Nothing does this for them. Nothing meets them in this way. And I think that's where that's where we've said that the church really brings the missing ingredient. And it's not that we have to hide the gospel. It's not that we have to, you know, somehow pull the gospel out of the forefront in order to to be able to, you know, to have a pathway to be able to minister to families. No, what we need to do is is push the gospel right out on the front line because it's the answer to the, the deepest need that these families have. And, and one of the places where they see it is, is when they begin to understand the things that they've done or their need to be different or those things. And then that grief washes over, right? Like they begin to see life through new eyes. They begin to see, I've never thought of myself or my children as created in the image of God. And so I've never, I've never acted toward them and I've never acted on their behalf in a way that respects that for them or for me. I remember, and and maybe, you know, you feel comfortable telling the story, but I remember you talking about a mama who had done some devastating things in the life of her child, but was, but was moving through parenting classes with the church yeah. and, and, and like this beautiful, sweet moment of this mama and her daughter together. And, yeah. and, and the, like, the fact is that happened because she applied the gospel to her understanding of who she is in it created by God in his image as an image bearer. 
Yeah, the story that you're referencing as described by this mom's mentor in Families Count um, is I, I think this scene took place outside the courtroom. The mentor of this mama was there for this, this hearing and she witnessed this mom and daughter and the daughter had kind of curled up on her mom's lap. And, and listen, this young lady had been in foster care, but I just want to note there that longing for relationship with her birth mother, <laughs> despite Rick, the harm that her birth mother had done to her. She was in her birth mother's lap. And um, as her mentor describes it, this mama was just caressing her daughter and running her fingers through her hair. And she began to say to her daughter, I have done wrong to you because I did not understand who I am. And I have done wrong to you because I did not understand who you are and who God created us to be. But I will never do those things to you again because I now understand, and I'm paraphrasing, but I am created and you are created in the image of God. And the, the thing that she had done, Rick, was prostituted her daughter. and we learned that she, the birth mother herself, had been prostituted by her mother. <laughs> so it was this generational thing, atrocity that was taking place in their family. But yeah, the light of God's word and the truth of God's word and how that permeated her heart and took root by God's grace. And this mama came to understand, I can be forgiven of what I've done and I no longer have to do this to you. And I will no longer do this to you because I understand who Jesus is and who he created me to be. It is, it's powerful, period. No doubt. And and giving her the ability to have grief in that circumstance, not saying you don't deserve grief because what you've done is heinous. And right. we agree. Like we agree that what she did is is heinous. It's reprehensible. Right. Um, but but what we also agree is, is that she is not heinous. She is not reprehensible. She is created in the image of God. And and part of part of what she has to be led to do is is to experience those things she's done in light of not only who she is, but in light of who Jesus is. Yeah. And and it it's just, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Well, Tracy, I know we're, you know, we're kind of drawing close on time, but I also want to talk about you know, foster parents, like yeah. there is a, there is a grieving piece in foster care for, for families who have children in their home and care. And so could you talk a little bit just about the, the kind of the grief that foster parents often experience and, and about how we should approach that? Okay, well, there's a message that is often spoken to and over foster parents that is just complicating their grief. And well-intending men and women may say something like, oh, I could never do what you do. I could never give him or her back. Okay, let's just discuss that. And hey, I too was a foster parent at one time, so I heard it. 
Foster parents are called to an incredibly hard thing, and that is to love a child placed in their home for a period of time that is often unset and unclear. And even though the goal is reunification with birth family and foster parents are called to keep that goal at the forefront, um, they must become vulnerable and love that child or those children well for that designated period of time. All of that being true does not diminish the sense of loss that foster parents, many foster parents feel when kids leave their home. Even if it is a planned move, which would be more of a maturational loss. We've had this goal from the beginning. We're working towards this goal. There's still grief that comes with that planned move or that planned loss. Or sometimes, Rick, it's situational. It's out of the blue. The child is not supposed to leave their home suddenly or unexpectedly. But um, 24 hours later, the child is is gone. That is a grief that is really, really difficult to walk through and recover from. So, yes, grieving in foster care is true across the board. It's the birth parent. It's the child. It's the foster parent. All of them experience real and profound grief. Yeah. And Tracy, I think one of the things that I just kind of want to say and want to speak into this is we I, from the pastoral perspective, I've I've said for years to congregations that I've had a, a part in leading to say in foster care, we want to raise up families who are willing to risk and they're willing to risk to love children like they will never leave. Yeah. Acknowledging that that they may very well. Yeah. And and the fact is, but but the foster parents that succeed are those who who love without limits, who who love for a lifetime, who who give the vulnerability of their hearts and they and they trust Jesus. And and I don't want to say this flippantly because I believe this is this is the source. They they trust Jesus to do things. And they trust the spirit to do things that they can't do themselves. That's right. But I think you hear them say, you know, those families, when they're when they're going through hard grieving after having had a child exit their home. And, and, and that's not to say that it didn't like flipping a light switch. I mean, it's it's a it's a grieving process, just like, you know, just like any other. But I think these are people that chose that. <laughs> They chose they chose this believing that Christ is sufficient and that the Lord will be present for them and, and will be with them, you know, in their grief. And what I've seen over and over and over again is that to be true, that families that take that risk, it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean that it doesn't cause loss. It doesn't mean that that loss won't be grieved and it won't be grieved. Maybe, I mean, that it won't be grieved for a lifetime, but it does mean that it, that it's worth it. <laughs> and it also means that, that the Lord is present in, you know, walking with them. But I want to say this, I think one of the keys to this for us in the body of Christ is that our churches acknowledge this and that we walk well with foster families in our midst, acknowledging it. That we understand if they lost a member of their family, 
how would they grieve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that our expectation should not be that they are going to um, recover quickly or easily because they knew this was coming. Yes, yeah. Foster parents, um, they know that in most cases, the child's departure from their home is coming. But going back to what we started with, because we love, we grieve. To ask them not to grieve is like asking them to not really love those children. Yeah, for sure. Well, Tracy, we could literally fill up a number of podcast episodes talking about this. Um, And we might like we may come back to this and do another round. But um, I just I want to thank you. I want to thank you for for the careful and and godly way that you have walked through and shepherded this topic. And I just want to affirm you, even as we're talking here on the podcast, you have been a friend. You've been a teacher to me in this. You've been a challenger. We've we've had a lot of conversations where we've talked about this and wrestled with it. And uh, and and the Lord has used you very personally in my life to enlarge my thinking and and to stretch me about the the ways that I think about this. And and so I just want to say thank you. And and I also want to say to the folks that are listening to us that the product of many of those conversations, not just among between the two of us, but among our team and with church partners and families and lots of other people have turned into a lot of resources here at Lifeline. And so we have resources that are that are pointed toward churches and families. And to do this well, we have programs like Families Count and others that are that are slanted toward considering these things. And, and what we'd really love to do is to invite you into uh, the opportunity to be able to walk that out. And and so we're really easy to find uh, lifelinechild.org. Or if you go on any of the social media platforms at Lifeline Child, uh, you can find us. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear ways that we might be able to come alongside your family or come alongside your church. Um, and specifically today, as we're talking about this area of, of grieving and, and grieving well, if there are places where we can help you to be able to help yourself or people around you to think in a, in a biblical way, in a gospel way, but in a healthy way about grief, we want to be able to do that. And so please reach out to us. We, we'd love to hear from you. We're thankful that you joined us. Uh, and so for my friend, Tracy Newell, uh, I'm Rick Morton, and I just want to tell you that we look forward to, to being back right here again next week with you on the Defender Podcast to, to see what it is that the Lord's doing on behalf of orphan and vulnerable children and vulnerable families. Uh, uh, through his church. And and so join us back here. We'll continue that conversation. But today, we're really thankful that we've been able to have this conversation with you. Thank you, Rick. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.